In today's episode of Soul Zero Two, we're going to be talking about how to overcome rejection in this series, Overcoming a Rejection Mindset on Soul Zero Two. And welcome. This is the podcast that is putting the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. Uh, love to have you at Soul Zero Two. And we're talking about overcoming a rejection mindset and the how-to today on how to do that. And uh, we previously defined what rejection is and why we have to get rid of it and how it actually can make us grow if we navigate it in the right way or how it can make us toxic if we navigate it in the wrong way. So there are two scriptures I want to read to you that, uh, that kind of seem contradictory to each other because sometimes God makes a promise to us and then when he makes the promise, it seems like we experience the, the exact opposite of that promise in our daily lives. Romans 8.15, Paul says, You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption when we cry, Abba, Father. And then in 2 Timothy 4.16, Paul is having a time of it when he says, At my first offense, no one came to my support, for all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. So here you have it. You have, on the one hand, God's promise of, hey, you don't, you don't have to be an orphan anymore. You, you are a son and daughter of God, right? You're adopted by God when you follow Christ. But then Paul experiences the exact opposite in his ministry where people betray him, they walk out on him, they make accusations. So how does Paul share God's promise on the one hand in Romans 8.15, but on the other hand, he experiences the exact opposite of that promise? How does he do this? How does he navigate that? Because often we, we go into it with, with such high hopes when we hear God speak through his word, and he speaks to us in many ways, and we're excited, but then we experience things that seem opposite. Paul found a means to navigate rejection that kept him loving, it kept him solid, it kept him uh, retaining his godly principles, and it did not allow him to become toxic. And I have to admit to you that I've said more than once that God has, has brought me through a journey of, of experiencing rejection my whole life in, in, in areas here and there, and how he healed me of that, and how he has taught me how to not define my life by rejection, by when people say or do things. and But here's an illustration. If you look at the word metabolism, the word metabolism is the bodily process needed to maintain life. It's when your, your body breaks down the food, right? When we metabolize, it, the food breaks down in our body, and the good nu nutrients build up our health, and the useless stuff goes out in the waste. That's, that's the basic idea of metabolism. So, have you ever thought that maybe God wants to teach us how to metabolize rejection? That's why you might get a promise here, but then you have the experience here. Uh, the promise doesn't mean you'll never be rejected. The promise doesn't mean you'll never be betrayed or somebody won't stab you in the back. It just means that God is going to teach you how to define yourself as one who's adopted by God and one who finds their self-worth, their identity, and their hope in God. So think about for a minute what it means to metabolize rejection. When we metabolize rejection, we allow it to break down 
into the good and the bad in our in our lives, in our spirits. And we take from it the good and release the bad. And what happens is there's a scripture that kind of kind of encapsulates encapsulates that when it says all things work together for good to those who love God, which means all things implies good and bad. So we can't prevent rejection, but we can sure metabolize it. We can integrate it into our lives in a way that does not destroy us, but develops us. And that's the goal of, of this of this time today together, that to learn how to metabolize rejection in your life. So how do you metabolize it? I'm, I'm going to be quoting some different sources that I've read, and one that I know, a great friend of mine, uh, but the first point is his point, really. Focus on the source of your acceptance instead of the source of your rejection. And that is Bob Sorge. He wrote a great book, great friend, on the, the, the rejection and praise of men, which is the idea that, that uh, both have the same source, that if you get hung up on rejection, or rather, if you get hung up on praise, you're going to get hung up on rejection. That's why you have to have balance in the middle. But uh, and that's the short version. But, but the source of your rejection is that person who hurt you, right? The person who walked out on you or betrayed you. But the source of your acceptance is the father who gave you your identity before creation, before you were even born, right? The Bible is specific when it says that that we we were he he foresaw us before we were even born, and this happened long before, like Henry Nouwen says, you received any wound or any hurt you were held safely in God's arms before creation. I mean, this is how God feels about you. Think about it. So the wounds that you get after that, why, why do you let those define you? Why, why do you let them develop you and destroy you? So you are the son and daughter of God who were held by God in safety in God's arms long before it all started. Ephesians 1 and 4 and 5 puts it this way, just as He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before Him in love, He destined us for adoption as His children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of His will. This is the lens that God wants you and I who follow Him to see Him through, to see life through, and to see pain through. Instead of the lens of people's hurts, of, of people's wounds that they inflict on us, He wants you to see it His way. He wants you to see life and struggle and pain and rejection through His eyes, through the way He thinks about you. Henry Dowen once said, Two voices compete in our hearts, uh, for our heart's attention, rather. One voice is from within, the one of self-loathing, self-rejection, self-condemnation. The other is the voice of the Lord who says, We're precious and honored and loved. Those are the voices that are battle inside of us. Sometimes we only feel and hear the voices of wounds that were spoken against us, of gossip we heard about ourselves or criticisms, and we internalize those words and they hurt us. But God is saying something greater. He's saying, don't let that define you because I love you. You are who I say you are, not who your pain says you are. So in doing this, we're breaking agreement with who we are not and we are embracing who we are. Who are we? We are children of God. We are adopted of God. And this is how God wants you to, wants you to see yourself when you're rejected, when somebody hurts you. But here's the second thing, the second way you metabolize. 
practice separating your identity from your performance. And that's a great point made by by uh, De Jesus, who, who wrote a great book on um, who wrote a great book on on, on navigating rejection and on uh, overcoming rejection. And basically, the idea is that often our performance is based on on pleasing people and pleasing God. And that's a sign that we walk in rejection. And one of the sure marks of a spiritual orphan is performance obsession. Because you think, I have to do this to be loved, to be accepted, to be to please someone. Performance identity is how a slave thinks. I have to work to earn this. I have to, uh, to be loved and praised and accepted. I, I have to make this happen. I have to earn it. I must work to be accepted. I cannot fail. So, because if I fail, then I won't be accepted. I, I won't be loved. And that's that's the way a slave thinks, a spiritual slave thinks. We practice separation from, from this. In, in other words, we separate our identity from our performance, and we practice by, by seeing what the Word of God says about us, by seeing what God says in His Word. And Ephesians 1.6 says, He made us accepted in the Beloved that we're already accepted in Christ. When you follow Christ, you're already accepted. Even if you fail, even if you do something stupid or dumb, he, you are accepted of God and He loves you no matter what. And the word accepted has an interesting connotation. It means highly favored one, charitu. It's the same word that was used of Mary, the mother of Jesus. So think about it, that as an adopted son and daughter of God, you are now highly favored of Him. So don't ever think or define yourself by what other people think or say about you, because you are highly favored of God. When we see ourselves as highly favored, or cherished, or adored, we we can weather rejection. We can we can know that we're accepted, because God loves us no matter what. Our heavenly Father holds us in His arms. Thirdly, how do you metabolize rejection? Release those who rejected you. That's a big one. Release those who, who rejected you. How do you do that? Because it's not easy, is it? At my first defense, Paul said, and I read this earlier, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. So think about that. Paul is not only being rejected, but he is navigating the rejection in a way that will not destroy or define him. So he here was refusing to allow walls to go up between him and those who deserted him. And a sign that you're being delivered out of rejection was is is when you're able to rem, remain connected to people who hurt you, even though you don't have to be you know best friends or anything, but you're able to feel secure enough to see them and it's not weird or see them and say it's okay you know God has my back on this one. So why is it so important that we release people who reject us? Why is it so important that we that we when I say release I mean forgive them and and not hold it against them and, and just put it in God's hands because. Unforgiveness will make us susceptible to a root of rejection. The more you don't forgive, the more you become a slave to rejection. The more rejection will dominate and destroy your life. So, and what happens is instead of metabolizing it uh, in and out of our spirit, it remains there and becomes poisonous. It becomes this toxic thing. And we become fearful and we become filled with, with uh, rage when we are rejected. This is why Ecclesiastes 7.21, which was believed to be have, have been written by Solomon, said this, Do not give heed to everything 
that people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. What does that mean? That, in other words, he's saying, you know, if you're walking through your house the, the way Solomon, he, he had a huge palace, and he hears his servant criticizing and cursing him, don't, don't pay any mind to that. That's how people are. People are human beings. So don't, don't focus on that. Don't give that credence. Don't give that momentum in your life. It's not worth it. But release those words. When you hear criticism, when you hear something awful against you, release it. Say, Lord, I'm not going to internalize that. I'm going to release it in Jesus' name. So this is what I'm saying, that healthy disillusionment is, is when we realize that nobody is perfect all the time. Even the people who, especially the people who love you, your friends, your family, they will say things about you and to you that are awful. And they may criticize you, even behind your back. People will be people, they will reject and disappoint. And instead of becoming bitter about that, accept it as it is, as, as a fact of life, and move on. And the, Jesus practiced this idea, you know, in John 2.24, where he said, But Jesus, on his part, would not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people. And he needed no one to testify about anyone, for he himself knew what was in everyone. What this is saying basically is Jesus didn't really trust people with his identity. He didn't trust people that uh, with his life because he knew that people were going to be people. And he forgave them anyway, didn't he? He forgave Peter even before Peter betrayed him. He says, I prayed for you. You're going to make it afterwards, right? And then strengthen your brothers and sisters. So this doesn't mean that you can't trust people with things in your life. It just means that you can't entrust to them your identity, and your self-worth, because they will hurt you. Number four, how do you metabolize rejection? Don't get hung up on the praise, on praise or acceptance. And, and again, this is a point made by my good friend Bob Sorge, who has great books out there. Check them out. And John 5.41 says, I do not accept glory from human beings. This is Jesus speaking again. Why? Because when you accept glory from people, and you get hung up on glory and praise, when they, when they criticize you, it's going to devastate and crush you. But if you hold that glory lightly and you say, thank you and forget about it, you move on. Then when they criticize you, it will not destroy you. It may hurt you, but it will destroy you. That's why be, beware of people who flatter, and, and there are proverbs that speak of this. Beware of people who flatter because flattery disarms it disarms your objectivity as a person. And when you're flattered, you're smoothed over that that uh, you, you lose objectivity in situation of, of someone who might be trying to manipulate you because those who flatter you can just as easily destroy you and criticize you. That's why human praise in the scriptures is a test often. It's a test to see if you receive that praise, how you're going to navigate it. Are you going to feed on that praise or just say thanks and forget about it? John 5.44 says, How can you believe when you accept glory from one another? And, and again, this is Jesus speaking. And do not seek the glory that comes from the one who alone is God. Jesus couldn't trust people because they were too motivated by compliments from each other. So how can you trust people who flatter each other and, and they feed all this stuff? That's why Jesus spoke the pure truth to people. 
So not being driven by praise means that you won't be driven by rejection. Again, this is a point made by my good friend, Bob Sorge. He said, he, meaning Jesus, was untouched by rejection because he was untouched by, by acceptance. And what a beautiful observation. Think about that for your own life. When you properly metabolize rejection, it'll still hurt you. It'll st still even devastate you to point, but it will not define you and it will not set your agenda as a person. Point five, change your language about rejection. And we're almost done here today, but the way that we talk about those who rejected us and how God sees us, the way we think God sees us, needs to change. Sometimes we are hurt by people and rejected by people, and instead of releasing them and learning that principle of letting them go, we criticize them back and we say, well, I don't need them anyway. And, you know, they're losers or whatever. And we, we keep feeding that orphan heart, that orphan mindset. But yet we find in the scriptures that David, after his people criticized him, it says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And Paul encouraged himself. He did the same after he acknowledged that everyone had, had deserted him. So what does it look like when Paul metabolized his rejection? In 2 Timothy 4.14 Here's the whole story. I gave you part of the scripture in the beginning, but here's the whole context. He says in 2 Timothy 4.14, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. In other words, somebody hurt him. They probably betrayed him, criticized him. Who knows for sure? And he says the Lord will pay him back for his deeds. Now there, I just want to qualify this. Paul is not saying, God, go get him. Go, go hurt him. He's saying, Lord, I'm putting this in your hands. I'm committing justice to you. Then he said this in verse 15, You also must beware of him, for he strongly opposes our message. So he's warning them. Then he says, At my first offense, no one came to my support. This is the, first, the verse we started with. But all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. What's he doing there? He's praying, he's praying for mercy. He's saying, God, help them. God, God they hurt me, but I'm not going to hurt them back. I want to release them and, and pray for mercy on them, right? So then he goes on to say this, but the Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it so that I was rescued from the lion's mouth. And there he sees in his pain and rejection, he sees God's process. He sees God's purposes in his life. That's what God wants you to see in your rejection. He wants you to see that his purposes in your life are going to overwhelm that pain. And then lastly, he says, Lord, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me from uh, for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So what's he doing there? He's declaring God's greatness. This is how you metabolize it. You don't focus on all the pain, but you get to the point where you commit justice to God. Then you pray for mercy. Then you see God in the process. Envision God in the process. Know that He's working in your life because He works all things for good. So see Him working. And then declare His greatness through it, even if it hurts. Sometimes it's hard to see it at the moment, to see that process and to see that God is really working. But God is working. And he's, He is loving us through it. And he's, He has a purpose behind it and through it that is going to turn out for good in our life. So I want to encourage you today to not let your rejection hurt you. The next time we get together, we're going to do one more piece to this on what it means, what it means to be a spiritual mother, 
a spiritual father and a spiritual mother, uh, from from orphan to overcomer. That's what we're going to call it. So I want to thank you for listening today, and and uh, please connect with us and subscribe to this channel. Uh, we're on YouTube, soul zero two dot com. We're on Facebook. We have a website called soul zero two dot com. Check us out because we really want to build this channel up and help many people. So until next time, may God be with you. God bless. <music>